Welcome to Creative Confidential with me, Jude Kampfner. Peering behind the curtain, going behind the scenes, learning what inspires a creative mind is what this show is all about. Today, I'm chatting to Marta Renzi, a choreographer and filmmaker. Her films have been shown in 38 countries and over 300 festivals. Marta, I went for a walk this morning and silhouettes of leaves moved on the sidewalk. Someone was practicing the saxophone and a man in a cloth cap, very bent over, seemed to be sauntering towards me, smiling. I felt like I was dancing because your films put me in the mood to see movement and joy everywhere around me. Do you feel like that all the time you go for a walk? (laughs) Many times that I go for a walk. I'm delighted with that description of, you know, motion and light and dot, 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 joy almost always. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think what the man was wearing, that he was a regular person on his day, uh, makes it all the more, you just made a Marta Renzi dance film (laughs) in your mind's eye. So is that what inspires you when you go out and you see like a tableau of ordinary people more than listening, say, to a piece of music? They go back and forth. They talk to each other, both those two things. I'm not actually inspired typically by the movement of people in the world, but when I start making my own worlds, I want to invite people who don't already belong in it to join in. Does that make sense? So I don't actually copy movement from that man in the cap. He does inspire me, but only probably in the most general way. That is because he represents people who don't know they're already dancing. But then I make dances with people who do know they're already dancing and try and mix the two. And you work with professional dancers usually. Yes, usually. And they can do very trained dance movements as well as sort of simulate ordinary movements. Right, right. And and somewhere between those two abilities is their ability to act, I would say. Mm -hmm. I mean, like an actor does so that you don't notice the transition. You're experiencing their communication more than the shift in technical style to more vernacular style. Does that make sense? So so they're telling you something and they're using some of their training and, well, all of their training, whether it's high level or pedestrian, to highlight the fact that they're communicating something and not that they're doing a dance move. Does that make sense? Yes. I wonder how you instruct them. Say you have a dancer walking up a hill and behind her is a car. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a particular movement that you want, but a particular expression you want, because it's quite an unusual thing that there's someone in a street in the middle of the road. Mm -hmm. What, what, what are you saying to her in terms of directing her? Well, I suspect that the speed of the car is the primary <laughs> director in that situation. But I'm picturing you, little wild heart, are you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that dancer was me. And there was joy in that, too. There was this sort of dangerous joy of jumping off the car and being just enough ahead of it that I was safe, 
but still doing, you know, dance moves that sort of challenged the idea of safety. So it was easy to direct me in that case. And I think that maybe the, me or other dancers, there needs to be a certain comfort with improvisation so they can be safe, so they can follow directions, sometimes shouted at them while they're moving, so that perhaps, in fact, they're making up all of the material on their own. Less and less do I create steps and have people execute them. I still call it choreography for the most part because I'm creating the whole world they participate in and I'm limiting some of the movement that they might choose to do by prompting them in some way. Lately, it's highly improvisatory. If there's more than one person on screen, of course, it has to be a little less improvisatory, but you saw the one called In Search of Lost Time with a man in black and white and a black man and a white woman. And uh, that was entirely improvised by two people who hadn't met each other till the day we shot. Wow. And that was, I think, their, the great little world that we made for them to exist in, visually and orally. We can play that music too, which is like not typical music at all, but a sound score. So it was the world that we created for them to step into that helped prompt them to create their own improvised relationship. Just going back to the one with you jumping off a car wearing like a purple outfit. Right. Um, That was um, to Bruce Springsteen songs. Right. And the music must have been a big element in inspiration for you there. Absolutely. In fact, I was young (laughs) and uh, it was during the river. Bruce's river had come out recently. I was a big fan. I thought, oh, here's the big time. Let me let me use music that will reach the broadest number of people. Of course, the PBS audience, especially combined with experimental work, was not necessarily the broadest possible audience. But yes, I chose Bruce both because I loved his music at the time and because I thought he would open the doors to a wider audience for me. It makes me think of, of Twilight Up's Billy Joel work on Broadway um it it feels like there's quite this was quite a sort of trend to make dances to popular music in order to get audiences in yeah that's probably true but I think it's also and Twyla did this starting with I don't know probably starting with Bix Biederbeck who is maybe not a household name but she and I because of her have always been interested in the dialogue between high art and low art or pop and classical, especially if I am interested in vernacular dance, it behooves me to be aware of vernacular music. Yeah. I like folk music. You know, you'll hear in, in Wildwood that wonderful, there's two kinds of folk, well, three kinds of folk musics in it. Um, 
Amelia Robinson uh, in the Barmash, who does Yiddish songs and lullabies, folk music, and uh, this group called Marta that does some kind of a cappella Latvian music. I'm drawn to folk music because it's folk music, because it's vernacular, people-oriented music, even when performed exquisitely. Right. I'm sure that you get tired of talking about this, but you were in hair with Twyla Tharp before we leave Twyla Tharp yes. out of this conversation. Does that make you feel like proud or do you feel it's like such a distant thing that you don't want to talk about it? No, I'm happy to talk about it. It was um, it was a long rehearsal period, which was fun. And I had to, had to, they paid for me to join SAG, you know, the Screen Actors Guild. And it was the be- still the best pay per hour, probably, that I've ever received. It was great to see Twyla at work. It got exhausting because the thing stretched out for so long. And I got interested in my own little choreography and bowed out of a few potential shoots because it was going on for so long. But do I love the movie? I think in hindsight, I like it much better than I did at the time. So you were in the film of Hair, but not the Broadway production. Correct. Correct. Did that really get you interested in film? No. Part of why I'm interested in film is it's more accessible. You don't have to pay as much money. You don't have to sit in a seat quietly in the dark. So that it opens itself to more humans and more humans of different classes. Uh, I also like it because I like that it's more narrative film than lots of concert dances. I like the freedom to edit my own choreography wildly. You know, one can edit choreography even in live work, and of course I do some, but the ability to edit the original product, even if created by me, is a huge treat that I like about film. Is that why I was drawn to it? I think the other reasons is why I was drawn to it Total control is why I stay. <laughs> I love editing too, but I would think editing movement is really tricky. Well, it is if you edit like great performances does, in which case you have to have at least two cameras, maybe three, which I never do. I'm so for budget reasons. And I suppose now for aesthetic reasons, there's usually just one point of view at a time. But I don't, so with with great performances and stuff like that, they usually cut from the same movement. They cut continuously to, to prioritize the movement. That is, the arm is going to the right. If they cut to another camera, it's still going to the right. But for me, part of the freedom is editing, not sequentially that way, but editing for flow. My One of my dancers calls it editography. So there is the choreography, but then you create a different tempo, a different, completely different image. So it's not not necessarily sequential in terms of the movement. It's sequential in terms of the movement across the frame. So maybe I've got this wrong, but you're showing a woman go up a staircase and then suddenly you cut to a man going in a completely different direction under the staircase. You could, yeah. Even in your leaves and the man coming the man coming toward you with the leaves, you know, how long do you stay on the 
shadows on the sidewalk? Do his feet appear and that's in the shadows on the sidewalk that you're watching? Do his feet appear and that gives the camera a chance to then jump to his face? Or do you continue with the camera along and just see his feet, you know, pass through the lens? So some of it is how you shoot it, obviously, how you shoot the given movement. And that, of course, is the first ography <laughs> or the first ography is the choreography. The second is how it's being shot, you know, close up, far away, circling, quick glance past or long, steady, stay with. And then the third rhythm is how you edit that. When I'm doing a radio drama, I do little stick figures uh -huh. and sort of say like arrow come towards the mic, arrow sits the little chair is turned this way, um, <laughs> which kind of sounds crazy, but it's it worked for me for the from the very beginning. It was just kind of instinctive. I don't know anybody else that quite does it. But do you have like a a little Story kind of board like that? I guess pre-production is where you know the costume, the casting, the location. I mean, that's the beginning of the storyboard. Uh, the highly visual storyboard. The music then is another. It sets some sense of another suggestion about location, maybe rhythm, probably duration. So I'm working with a dancer who's coming from Berlin soon, and I sent her the location on video. I described to her the costume that I'm picturing. I told her I thought it was called kata, which are the prescribed moves of a karate practitioner, like a ritual sequence and I said, why don't you see if you can think of a ritualized beginning and end to each of the kata, these probably 20-second movement storyboards. I pictured her, this is a dock, it's like you in the park. This is a dock on, a, on Rockland Lake out near where I live. It's a spur-of-the-moment inspiration, but there's, there's a dock that goes out into the water, narrow, long dock that goes into the water. And picturing Selena there, she doesn't practice martial arts that I know of. Um, so it won't literally be martial arts, but it refers to a kind of meditative, pre-composed series of movement exercises. All of this makes sense to any dancer, but specifically to Selena, has, who has a very low center of gravity, who is, you know, not that it it is really about her race, but who is parentage is Japanese and Guyanaian. She's also has been a model and wore, wore flowing clothes. So at first I just pictured the flowing clothes. And then, you know, I had visions of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and I decided I needed to have a little canoe so I can, you know, because I don't have budget, so I can canoe around it and get all of the angles and including low with the dock close to the water. Do you look for an expressive face in your dancing? Yeah, yeah. When I cast the last one, I was thinking about, yeah, and what was the word? I, spirituality was the word I used for this kind of expression. And Selena has this too, this, I don't know, openness, freshness, aliveness of face that reflects an inner grace. Here comes my Catholicism, some kind of inner grace, an expression that comes from inside. It's not plastered on the outside. That makes I, sense. I see a lot of the expressions in your dances, they're sort of like shy smiles of, <laughs> of recognition. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm trying to think. 
Yeah, and you know the the one that has the folk music, it's children, you know, who rarely can dissemble. So it's, I guess, and Selena is, you know, some people think she's still a teenager, though she's not. There's that freshness of concentration without the idea that you're being observed that I think is part of what I call spirituality, I guess. And then the other side of it is, I guess, and it's the reveal at the end, potentially, of Kata. There's a sense that an audience is welcome, but you're not performing for them. Mm-hmm you're performing because it comes from the inside and goes out beyond you. And so an audience will receive it, but you're not dancing at them or for them necessarily. When you say spirituality, it feels quite often that your dancers are in a kind of homage to nature, like celebrating life and beauty and the world. You know, I have a reservation the finest place to dine Don't care about the prices Because it won't cost me a dime Won't have the way to be seated Don't have to tip the major D There's a place I'm already set And it's waiting there just for me Lord, I got a place at the welcome table Surrounded by the saints of God Where the spirit is ever present Yeah. Accurate. Accurate. I guess uh, it's a bit of a trap because I do it maybe too often, but I guess it's also a point of view or a a truth about how I see the world, which is beauty, joy, not the anomie and the stressful pace of, you know, people with cell phones and coffee cups. There are enough of those dances that people make. But there are some that aren't. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that that is ever denied in my work. But are there some where there's another focus? I don't know. Well, the one with the the one that you talked about with the boy soprano, and it's called the Brother's Keeper. Those men are in a contained place. To me, it's about their intimate homosexual relationships, the three of them, though there's no sex on on screen. But it's a very private, that's a very private place. There's no nature. There is joy. The joy is it being safe in a contained, vague indoor space, being safe enough that you can be vulnerable socially. I saw a, a dance short at Lincoln Center and it was about a husband abusing his wife over and over and over. And it's like, well, okay, it's obviously memorable because I'm talking about it, but I wouldn't like to see too many of those. Yeah, especially the over and over. I mean, it doesn't take much to receive the information. And then what? Yeah, especially the over and over. It's not what I do, darkness, <laughs> typically. <laughs> Yeah. Comradeship is a big theme of yours, isn't it? Yeah. I would even make it a little community. Yeah. I think the presumption is that the community includes the viewer. You know what I mean? Come to my husband says, oh, and they always end with a party, which is not literally true, but there are a lot of them that do. And I think the the 
implied in that is, oh, come join us. You know, I think that's the spirituality that comes from the inside and goes out without necessarily doing it for the audience, but it's creating a circle that should be ideally completed by the audience. It's one of the things that I try and do when we're dancing in unusual places, or I try and say to the dancers, perform it now as if you could do it on the street and it wouldn't cause too much of a ripple. It doesn't refer to something that couldn't be on a street corner or couldn't be in a bar. You know, when dancers, when real dancers, trained dancers dance at a wedding, they're so irritating because they, you know, they they don't just hog the space. A, a drunk can do that just as well. But they sort of say, look at me, look at me, instead of I'm loving this or see what interests me. And I think those kinds of intentions, if performed in public, ring a bell more than look at me, look at me. You're choosing a specific kind of dancer that isn't like a narcissist. There's narcissists who can unlearn that if I boss them around. And narcissist might not even be the right word. I worked with this lovely Martha Graham dancer, Blakely White McGuire. She had to perform material that was extreme in houses that were very large. And it took some drawing back and it took a wonderful partner who had worked with me a lot to help her reside in a quieter place. I read that one of your favorite films is The Bicycle Thief, and that's my second favorite film after The Red Shoes. <laughs> love the red shoes you don't love the red shoes okay. I love the red shoes I, mean, I should probably watch it again yeah anyway. I have to, yeah. the bicycle thief the so bicy- why- bicycle thief yeah I mean um black and white realism I can see that that would appeal but it's so sad and your films are not sad no but it's so human and the child I mean especially the child the mobility and the innocence so before it's sad it's his hopefulness and his love for his father and his delight in the spaghetti dinner and, you know, his eagerness to help his dad. (laughs) I have other favorite films. Kurosawa is often a favorite. And I saw one the other night that I hadn't seen, The Hidden Fortress, that I don't think I'd ever seen or anyway, I had new eyes. The motion in different quad, the editing, the motion in any single shot in different quadrants of the same shot. He's a dance filmmaker for sure. And there the acting is quite cartoonified. You know, the characters are set characters, especially because it's one of the historic ones. The princess, who doesn't actually behave like one, but can. The soldier, and to Mutton Jeffs. And the, the quality of movement of each of them, of course, is very defined. There's great sliding up and down to get to the fortress. There's a rock escarpment and there's great climbing and sliding up and down. And the buffoons are constantly falling. And Mifune, I was looking to see how he does it. They probably just acted really well. He places each foot regally and climbs, you know, slowly past them as they're scrambling and stumbling and falling. And listen to the rhythm in that. Yeah. Beautiful. I was watching on your blog 
a video that you made with called Las Madres about mm. mothers and daughters in a group of, of immigrants in a school. And they start by putting on funny hats and then they start playing around with what look like t- tablecloths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, these are not professional dancers. So how did you coax them into dancing? Was it difficult? I met them, the woman who's, you know, like a Girl Scouts leader, sort of. I don't know. I, I figured and hoped that the trust that each pair had with each other, and of course, some of the pairs knew each other, and the music and the ability to be goofy and wear costumes would be all it took for them to jump in. And pretty much it was, actually. I do trust that people will trust me. And so it's a positive feedback loop. You know, I sort of assume that we're going to make this happen. Uh, I probably should sometimes be, especially in this world of consent and blah, 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 which was since then, I maybe should proceed a little bit more cautiously. But even the some of the dancing they do later, the, you know, the mothers choreographed some of it based on some of their d- disparate folk traditions, some of it based on these scarves that I, you know, sort of, I thought, well, we got to have something. It it didn't really, I, I am very proud. I did Las Madres and we had fun together. And it was a great blending of my other life working with immigrant families because mostly these two worlds never meet. You hear one of the mothers say, I haven't had time with my teenage girl. And I think that was the that was the real carrot for them. Sure, I'll put on a funny hat and sure, I'll dance to the one who says, there is no one you can trust except your mother and maybe your sister. I thought, whoa, <laughs> in this new country, especially. Yeah, it shows that there's a, a sense of play that you elicit and that a humility, you're not bossing them around, you're looking to get cues from them. Mm-hmm. And you're offering simple suggestions, like there's an orange which they pass from hand to hand, and then a little baby walks between the rows of oranges. That, that's a real skill. I suppose. I think the skill is, is knowing that I can go in with very little prepared and then observing what's working and what's not, and certainly not inhibiting that little girl, and that we all had a sense that there was room to play and to respect each other. I got the feeling that this was really opening up joy for them that wasn't part of their ordinary lives right now. And I think it isn't for most people. You know, most people don't get a chance to dance and play with at weddings, maybe, you know, they get a chance to dance and play with their daughter, say, their teenage daughter. Mm. But most people don't get the chance to play. And for you, a little bit of fun, a little bit of humor, spontaneity, improv, like, as you say, and people like not knowing each other and beginning to relate to each other is really important. Yeah, play, whatever that is, you know, even a wink, you know, when you're meeting a new person, you know, what is our language? Do we have to learn everything? You know, where you where do you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What what do you like? What are your interests? Blah, 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 blah. Or can you just sort of be sensitive to the play that is communication? Yeah, I guess it's part of why I like children too, because we know they play. 
I mean, I like making work with children or I like the childishness. What's that guy's name with all the long syllables? Shavinsk Mahali or whatever his name is, who studied flow. That's what. Oh, like, yes, yes. I can't his name. His name. Yeah, that guy. A Hungarian guy. Yeah. Yeah. Something yes. Mahali at the end. And, you know, I thought, yeah. yeah, you know, you know us. This is what art, you know, this is what making things does. It gets you in flow and so does play. And so. Yeah. Why I step? mean, that philosophy of like the hours just go by, you don't have any idea. Um, a day has gone by and you haven't even gone to the bathroom because, <laughs> because you're so engrossed in yeah. whatever you're making. Yeah, in the zone. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's a treat and some people never get to really experience that. Maybe that's why I err on the side of my work of joy and playfulness is because it goes together so well. Rabbits run across the road Home to where they sleep Do they pray their souls to keep And wait for another day Rabbits run across the road I mean, there's that other meditative thing. You haven't seen her magnum opus, and it is joyful at the end. I've, I've seen some parts of it. Yes. She dies. She does die. So there's oh, she sadness. does. Oh, she does die. So there's that sadness, but she dies with surrounded by people. So there's that. I don't know. That's a feature film that celebrates someone's life. Is that right? Yes. yes, I mean it's uh it's a loosely modeled on the woman who is the lead who has since died. Yeah, it celebrates the circle of people she had. It was once going to be called her circle, the circle of people she has around her. Beautiful. Um, well, yeah. we've come full circle. I just want to, want to ask you one thing. How come you studied dance and Proust? I didn't think dance was enough, and I'm not sure I still do. And I went to a hippie college where nobody cared what I studied. And I had a great teacher of Proust at the, I went to Hampshire College, at which you can go to the other four colleges in the area. And I had a great Proust teacher at Amherst. So I just dug deeper. And they are not really related, but there's a lot of ineffable in Proust, and there's a lot of ineffable in dance. Somehow there is a connection between that digging into the mysterious or the hard to articulate that he articulates at infinitum does relate to dance. I didn't make a dance about Proust, although I did make that dance called In Search of Lost Time, which is not really a Proustian reference, except that it was about people trying to or thinking they were living both in the past and in the present. Maybe yeah. also Proust's sense of detail, tiny details. That's what you huh. show as well. Huh. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I don't know if, if that's where I'm aiming, but of course in film, there is, it's all there. I mean, the minute I appeared on Zoom, you saw the ceiling <laughs> where I am. You know, there's no separating the detail of the location from the detail of the person right thank you Marta very much um what links can you give us where people can find your work 
Well, as someone who recently browsed, do you think, I think maybe the blog spot is the best because you can, as you know, you can go to the filmography and click on anything to see a trailer. It's brilliant, yeah. reorganized. Yeah. Good. Good. Because it's free, cheap, cheap and quick. <laughs> the motto. <laughs> you, can cheap. you give the, the link for that? It's basically martarenzi.blogspot.com. Great. Thank you very, very much indeed. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Creative Confidential. I'm Jude Kampfner, podcaster and coach. If you'd like my help or you know somebody who should be on the show, get in touch. You can email me at jude at judekampfner.com. Our theme music is by Gene Pritzker. And thanks to my producer, Mark McDonald at Birkdale Media. <laughs>